0: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready! ready. All right, here we go. From the ten throwing end zone. Spectacular catch! They're saying it's a catch! Touchdown! You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, oh, that's incredible! <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to pet? <laughs> and we are underway.
1: Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. This is the Week 13 NFL Betting Edition. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and on today's show, we will be breaking down, as always, our top six uh, spread bets on the Sunday slate in the Sunday six-pack, and also giving you our favorite total teaser, Money Wine Parlay, and Survivor Pool pick, and this week, of course, we have the three-game Thanksgiving slate, so we will start by breaking down all three games, and then we will jump right into the six-pack, so... Let's get right to it, man. Uh, Here to help me break down the games, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my guy Stucky, whose bets you can follow in the Action Network app at Stucky2, as well as mine at Chris Raybon. And be sure to download that app. And we just made some really cool updates to the app where you can see your pro system plays uh, on each game now. And uh, of course you can track your bets, see live scores and win probabilities in real time. So uh, be sure to check out the Action Network app. But Stucky, Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, how was last week, and uh, how are you feeling about this one?
0: Uh, well, first of all, it was a huge Sunday, and I didn't even pick up a point on you. I had an enormous Sunday, and our race continues to be crazy. Uh, we'll get to the six-pack soon. I think that the updated score is... 37-36. Yeah. I actually I'm picked a, up a point. Yeah, I picked up a I'm point. I'm ahead there. of schedule. I got four out of five, <laughs> and my uh, my favorite team, the Seahawks... They fought, they win another game by one possession and I warned you. Uh, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this team continues. They had a trick play. They scored, but everyone who could have possibly been ruled out for the Eagles was ruled out. But my Ravens looked spectacular. They're scary. The Rams are the I was one of the most underprepared performances I've ever seen in my life. I mean, there's a brilliant game plan from what the Ravens did to the interior of that defensive line. But there was a couple plays, and I had the under. That loss, despite the Rams scoring six points, that thanks for uh, having 12 men on the punt when the Ravens were going to punt it, which ended up costing me the under. But then at the end of the half, when they're running an all-out blitz against Lamar Jackson with 12 seconds left when the Ravens have no timeouts, like there uh, was just some questionable – and just the effort and the offense, once again, for the Rams looks really bad. But um, just staying healthy and then keeping Marcus Peters out of fights is uh, my main concern as a Ravens fan. So it's a nice, nice, nice position to be if those are your two main concerns.
1: Yeah, and I had a pretty good week. Uh actually went undefeated on the early slate thanks to like a bunch of crazy breaks at the end with the Giants scoring that that touchdown. Um, the only the only loss I had on Sunday was the I had the under in the Titans game. Like I I just I need to just stop betting on the Titans period. Like anything to do with the Titans game. It was a pretty good week for both of us and uh let's keep it going with this with this week 13, we got the the three Thursday games started off by the 5 and 6 Chicago Bears, 3 point favorites. In Detroit, against the 3-7-1 Lions, the total is 38.5. Uh, as far as the spread, 79% of the bets, 84% of the money on the Chicago Bears as three-point favorites. Uh, as far as the total, 71% of the bets, 84% of the money on the under. Thoughts on this game, Stuck?
0: My, I love on, a th- on Thanksgiving, if I can tease two of the games long teaser style and pass Thanksgiving and then just have two games covered. Enjoy my Thanksgiving. So I was all ready to tease the cow, the Cowboys down, which we'll get to and the lions up from, you know, two and a half to or one and a half or two to two and a half up past the touchdown. But now with Jeff Driscoll, some baseline line movement, I don't think he's going to play. And it's not like Jeff Driscoll is Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, but he has their second string quarterback, which means if he doesn't go, it's David Blau, uh, who was the fourth-string quarterback for the Browns uh, during preseason. So it's not great, Bob. And it is still Mitch Bortles. It is is still an interesting tease option uh, because the Bears' offense is anemic. You know, with a total of 38 teasing the dog, the home dog, from two and a half or three up, is still intriguing, even if it is David Blau. But it gets scarier. The Lions also have injuries – on their defense. They have no running game to speak of. So, you know, going with a quarterback that you don't really trust to throw the ball. And, you know, one of the things that Driscoll did at least bring is he could you know, run a little bit and get a couple first downs. But it's messy. It's one of the worst noon Thanksgiving games I can remember. And we've had a bunch with how bad the Lions have been in years past. So, I don't know. I mean, I would I couldn't argue with you for going with the under. I might think about still teasing the lions but i might end up opting to pass on this game altogether tease the cowboys which we'll talk about next with something on sunday but this game is ugly and there's a lot to keep an eye on especially with uh who's going to be under center for detroit yeah
1: i i took the under in this game at 39 uh it is going down so i feel good about that it's i think it's at, yeah it's at 38 and a half right now and basically the reason being is you kind of mentioned it, the bears their offense is not in a position to put up points really on anybody. You know, we kind of saw that play out against the Giants, one of the worst defenses in the National Football League. The Bears scored 19 points. Uh, didn't even cover that game. I, I do think they probably will be able to cover this. They sh- At least in theory, they should be able to cover this game. Uh, if I had to pick a side, I would take the Bears. Uh, with the Lions, uh, even if it was Jeff Driscoll, to be honest with you, I, I think the Bears' defense is good enough. And uh, that's kind of why I picked the, the, the Redskins on the money line last week against this Lions team. I think we, we've seen this a bunch with quarterbacks this year with these kind of fill-in uh, replacement-level quarterbacks where uh, a lot of times the, the more the sample size grows and the more film that these opposing teams get on these quarterbacks, uh, the worse they perform. And we kind of saw Driscoll, that play out with Driscoll, where he threw the, the, the back-breaking interception that set up Washington uh, for the win. And, you know, the Bears, if you just look at the Bears games, as far as the under goes, I mean, 19-14 against the Giants, 17-7 loss to the Rams, 20-13 win against these same Lions, uh, 22-14 loss to the Eagles, 17-16 loss to the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, that's their last five games. They haven't cleared <laughs> that, that total of 38 and a half that it's set out here. And with the Lions playing with a backup quarterback, I mean, yes, there, there's always a possibility of turnovers. or or something in the special teams with Cordell Patterson or whatnot. But uh, I think the under is probably the most confident uh, play in this game.
0: This is even a shorter week than the normal short Thursday night Mm -hmm. week for the two day games. You don't even have a day in between. So the injuries are even more important to keep an eye on. And we always talk about how on these short weeks, it tends to favor favorites. So something to keep in mind. Uh, And that has been the case on Thanksgiving since 2003 in our BetLabs database. Favorites on Thanksgiving are thirty and eleven against the spread. That's seventy three point two percent. And uh, teams favored by six or more are sixteen and three against the spread. So that Thursday night trend that we talk about, it even is even more illustrated uh, on Thanksgiving in the past.
1: So let's get into the second game. They and three Buffalo Bills going to Dallas to face the six and five Cowboys, fresh off a cover against the vaunted New England Patriots in Foxborough in a game that. The Cowboys had a chance to win that game, so, you know, obviously Jerry Jones not happy about that. Uh, had, some, had some negative things to say about uh, his coaching staff really kind of put them, threw them under the bus, I think, in a game where I don't know if that was the right time to, to do it necessarily. I mean, it's tough to go to Foxborough and even keep it close for a lot of squads in the NFL. So uh, I don't know if it was, the timing was good I mean, right before the holidays, but Cowboys are seven-point favorites here. The total 45-and-a-half, 60% of the bets, 69% of the money. On Buffalo, though, uh, 61% of the bets uh, as far as the total uh, on the over, 78% of the money on the over. Uh, Is this a spot where you kind of fade the public, fade the, looks like a little bit of sharper, bigger bunny on Buffalo and, and take Dallas here?
0: Well, the first thing I want to say is thank you, Jason Garrett. You play to cover the game. I was worried about the coaching mismatch, and it ended up being a coaching mismatch that worked in my favor, kicking that field goal. That's all I was worried about down seven. I didn't care if the Cowboys won at that point. Um, so I do appreciate that field goal. And I got to get this in here. Mike Pereira, the drunkest man in America, and I was at the bar all day, coming on and defending that tripping call is oh. beyond insane. And Troy Aikman, for going back at him, saying he's blocking Mike. Well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. But when you lift your leg like well, he's, did. he's blocking it speaks to you know. I could say the Cowboys got robbed with that call. Cause it was an awful call, but it speaks to something that I want you know. I, I want to convey of why what makes the Patriots great, and it's just a theory. So you know, the Patriots are always overperforming, and they didn't cover this week, luckily. But in general terms, they're always overperforming expectations, right? And they, they do a lot of the little things. They have a quarterback doesn't turn it over. They don't get penalized. They're usually good on special teams. They're obviously very well coached. Although they should have take a couple more seconds to uh, kneel it. But there's been times in the past where Belichick, and he'll do this in, in, in games against teams that, you know, he's like, ah, we might lose this game. I'm, I'm almost positive that before this game, he went to the NFL or the refs and said, the Cowboys offensive lineman trip. You have to trip. You have to watch it. You have to watch for it. I think there was four tripping calls on offensive linemen all year. There was two on Sunday in that game. And I guarantee you it just got into their head and then they looked for – and then, you know, you it's hard to be a ref and to see that, but you, I bet Belichick implanted that. It happened in, the, with the, in a Ravens game with one of their formations before an AFC championship. Those are the little things that, you know, that make the Patriots so great and why they continuously cover even though they didn't on Sunday. But I – just a the theory, I don't know. But I bet with two tripping calls that looked – I was like, what? I bet you it was a Belichick was behind that.
1: Does that fall back on Jason Garrett then? Because does Jerry Jones essentially have a point there that maybe there are things that, yes, of course, it's, it's brilliant by the Patriots and Belichick, and it's just a theory, but on the other hand, and you have to kind of question Jason Garrett then, because at the end of the day, they're putting something on film for Belichick to pick up.
0: There, I can't blame him for that. I can blame Jason Garrett for a lot of things, even the field goal, some of the play calling, just his general strategic decisions at the end of, end of games. But in that sense, there literally was nothing he could do because it wasn't tripping. It's not like his offensive lineman did trip and then he could have told them ahead of time, we can't trip. Like they were just literally blocking. And so I can't put that on Garrett. But Jones, he should look in the mirror, though. It's, this is yeah. These things have been going on for years. This isn't anything new. But anyway, the Cowboys are still a really good team. They just aren't. Well coached, and they can't get over the hump against good teams. I don't consider, you know, they, you're going to see the record like.
1: Yeah, they don't have a win against a winning team.
0: But I don't consider the, the Bills in, you know, the elite teams, in the NFL, that the Cowboys can't get over the hump. It yes, the Bills wanting covered on Sunday. I was on the Broncos there. I was wrong there. But let's cool our Jets, Bills Mafia, who was in my mentions. You beat the Broncos at home with Brandon Allen, a team with three wins shockingly enough, the the Bills' strength of victory improved with a win over the three-win Broncos. So th- this team is still deeply flawed. Their run defense is still deeply flawed. Their offense is deeply flawed. Zeke should have a day. The offensive line for the Cowboys should dominate. You know, and then the Bills' passing defense is great. Their pressure is getting a little better over time, but it's still not elite. I just, at the end of the day, you have the Cowboys at home. I don't trust the Bills' offense to keep up with the Cowboys, and Elliott should have a big day here. But once Zeke gets going and they have to start bringing safeties down and, you know, it'll set up the play action. The line is about right to me at 7. It's a perfect teaser piece or a Moneyline parlay piece. I'm sure the whole world is going to have the Cowboys and the Saints in a Moneyline parlay or tease. We'll get to that Saints game next, but I like this matchup for the Cowboys. They'll be on my card in some form or fashion, probably in a money line parlay or a tease. What
1: do you, how do you feel about the, the, the total in this game? Because you mentioned, you know, probably a Zeke game. Uh, Bills, you know, what they want to do is run the football. Uh, the under is 15-7 in Josh Allen starts, uh, 68%. Uh, Dak Prescott, the, the regular season under in his career is actually 57% itself. Uh, this game kind of strikes me as one where, you know, it, it, could, it could be a lower scoring game than we think if, if these teams run it. Because the Bills – I don't know if they really – how much they bring those safeties down at the end of the day because we know they want to they win with the big play uh, uh, in the pass game. And I think if, if Zeke is going to get four or five-yard chunks, uh, I think they'll live with that against a, an offense like this. So do you think the under has any – Yeah, I think it's, un- I think yeah. it's under or nothing yeah. here. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling too. Okay, let's get into the third game, which is, as you mentioned, the New Orleans Saints, 9-2. and Seven-point favorites going to Atlanta to face the 3-8 and eight Falcons who cooled off with a loss to the Bucks last week. The total is 49 as far as the spread. 78% of the bets, 81% of the money on the Saints. The total, 80% of the bets, 70% of the money on the over.
0: By the way, I think this is a under a Thanksgiving underday. I'd look under here too. I know that, you know, it's Falcons Saints, but the Saints are an odd team to figure out to me, too. I mean, I know that they're really good, but you know, like a 34-31 versus Carolina last week, the home loss to the Falcons a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago. That'll obviously be on the mind of the Saints to get revenge here. But they have some injuries that are worrying. Marshawn Lattimore, whether or not he can play, obviously really important to that secondary. We saw that last week. But especially on their offensive line now, with Armstead, their starting left tackle was huge. Him being out, their left guard, and Pete is already out. They might have to bring in a a rookie from Villanova at tackle. They might move move Ramchek over from right tackle, left tackle. They're not sure yet, and it's a short week. And last time these two teams played, the defensive line of the Falcons dominated the line of scrimmage, and that was different. So the Falcons do have a good run defense, good defensive line. Their secondary is a mess. They're not going to cover Thomas, but I think that they could get pressure once again. And the other side, look, the Falcons, Julio Jones is banged up, I think, based on the last two weeks and based on what I've read, and now it's a short week. And their offensive line is also a mess. They can't run the ball. They might be down to like their 19th tight end. So this offense... Especially if Lattimore can play. Um, I don't see him doing too much. I mean, last week against a really bad Bucks defense. They needed a, a late touchdown. Thank you, Ridley, for the over. Um, they only had 15 points before then. So I think the Saints should get an inspired effort for their defense here. But I don't think the Saints offense is gonna be humming with their offensive line issues matched up against that Atlanta defensive line. Look, I played Atlanta plus 13 a few weeks ago, and I didn't expect them to win outright, but they did in New Orleans. If this is a flat seven, you know, I'd probably play Atlanta again. But if it's six and a half or seven juiced, I'll probably stay away. But I am liking the under here. I think this is lower scoring than most. I think I think you're getting a couple extra points here.
1: Yeah, and if you look at uh in our Bet BetLabs uh, database, one of our pro systems is actually to target divisional unders late in the season week 11 or later when the total is 44 and a half or more a divisional under will hit at a 62% clip going back to uh, 2003. So that's also something to keep in mind. And I agree. I think the Saints have to play this a little close to the vest and, and, and kind of protect their O-line. So you're not going to see as much explosive. And the Saints aren't really a, an explosive play team, to be honest. I mean, it's just kind of drive down the field with, with Kamara and, and Michael yep. Thomas. And every once in a while, they might get something out again or, or something like that but on a coverage bus. But, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think this could be a, a clean sweep for the, the unders here on Thanksgiving Day. And, and divisional unders, even in the low total games, still hit at about a 60% clip, But you know, if you want to go back to the uh, the Bears and the, and the Lions game and look at that one as well. So, Woodlean Saints, just because uh, I think the, you hit on it, the revenge factor, clearly the better better team. And I think there's always that letdown uh, factor for the Falcons now because once they won those two games, they were 3-7. and seven. They had, like, you know, a winning season was still kind of within reach. You know, they felt like they turned things around, and now – you know, the best they can do is 500. It's a short week. They're not, they're, they're, they're the inferior team. They're daring with uh, more injuries than the Saints, even. So uh, this could be a, just kind of a, a big win for the Saints where the Falcons don't score.
0: And that, and because they have San Fran on deck, which is a huge game for them in the NFC. You're not going to see them trying to run this up. And it's let's, let's get a win. Let's come out focused, play defense, good special teams, and uh, get out of Atlanta with a win. I think that's how they approach this, which I think lends itself to an under here.
1: Yeah, so that does it for our breakdown of the three Thursday Thanksgiving games. And just wanted to uh, remind everybody that uh, DraftKings is actually running a a cool little promo uh, on their site where you can build a Moneyline Parlay for the three Thanksgiving games. Uh, You know, you pick all three, and if your parlay hits, you get paid out. And if it doesn't, uh, you still get essentially a free bet. Uh, You know, you get refunded a free bet to make. Uh, So it's it's a win-win situation. So be sure to check that out at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right. So let's get into the Sunday six-pack, the main event. Thirsty for action?
0: Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack.
1: Stuck and I, we draft our top three favorite spread bets for the Sunday slate. Our top pick is worth two. Our others are worth one. And uh, then we do a, our favorite total, which is also worth a point stuck up 37, 36 on the year, gained a point on them last week. I think I swept last week with the, yep. yeah, yeah. So um, hanging in there. This is going to be for me anyway, uh, it's going to be an interesting week. I think it'll be interesting for the, the viewers to kind of hear us go back and forth on this because a little different than my usual type of picks uh, for this week, uh, because it is a, a week where even if your team is playing on Sunday. Uh, a little bit more distraction than usual. It's kind of, you know, with the holidays going on. Uh, So I look for uh, a little bit of different style of team to pick. I'm usually looking for underdogs and trying to get a little edge, you know, a point here, half a point there. This week, I'm looking more uh, at favorites. I'm looking at teams that I think clearly the more talented team and and a team that I think can dominate the other team because it's really tough to kind of get a gauge on where some of these teams are. It's, It's tough to end skids. It's tough to kind of bounce back if you're if you don't have great momentum interested to hear your kind of rebuttals for for some of my picks but uh you you start us off this week so where are you going with your first pick
0: all right for my first pick i'm going back to what we've done the past couple weeks and that is fade the dolphins again uh two weeks ago i said why are the bills not touchdown or more favorites here last week i said why are the Browns not 14 or more point favorites here? This week, I'm saying, why are the Eagles not 10 or more point favorites here? Uh, the Dolphins are an absolute mess. We know this. The roster's historically bad. There's some weird thing in the market where they, the market thinks that the Dolphins are a couple points bigger than I do because they beat the Jets at home and they beat Brian Hoyer. And I mean, this is still one of the worst rosters I've ever seen in my entire life especially when you consider all the injuries they've had and, you know, guys that they've traded since. Uh, So on the other hand, the Eagles should be getting a lot healthier this week. You know, Brooks should be back. Lane Johnson should be back. You might even get Jeffrey and Algalar on the outside, but more importantly, the Eagles should just dominate this game in the trenches, both on the offensive line and defensive line. And the Eagles defense is actually coming around. If you look over the past month, the Eagles are top five in most categories in the NFL in terms of net yards per play. And, you know, a, a lot of advanced metrics have say, look, this defense is playing a lot better. A lot of it is correlated with when Jalen Mills came back uh, at corner, and he's playing really well there. But the defense, it's Brian Fitzpatrick trying to throw to Devontae Parker. It's about it. I don't understand these, these Dolphins lines. They should all be 14, 17, 20 like we were seeing earlier in the year. This is an an angry get-right spot for the Eagles. Um, they're going down to a Miami stadium that won't have anyone in it. There's no home field to speak of. They can just sit, even if none of the receivers play, I don't even care. Their offensive line is healthy. They can just throw to their tight ends. Even the receivers that they have can get open against these Dolphins corners. This line is too low. I'm going to be on, just like the last two weeks, a little bit of Eagles... First half and Eagles game. This will probably be a theme the rest of the year, in, uh, unless the lines catch up, which they haven't been. I'm I'm just gonna keep fading this Dolphins team.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think you know this is kind of this is the kind of pick you want to make in this type of week where there's just a clear talent discrepancy, and the Eagles have kind of been banged up, and it's it's probably brought the market to a place where you know the Dolphins are getting overvalued, the Eagles are getting. Undervalued, but I think it's really big for them to just get right on the O-line because Carson Wentz hasn't played uh, particularly well this year, not, hasn't had a lot of help. But this Dolphins team is not the same team that beat the Jets or the Colts
0: even. I mean, yeah. it's like a practice squad. Uh, it's the XFL.
1: From my first pick, uh, going with the Green Bay Packers, uh, six-and-a-half-point favorites at the New York Giants. Faded the Packers last week. Felt like the, the 49ers were a freight train. You know, that kind of played out. Like the bounce-back spot for, for the Packers, though. Aaron Rodgers coming off a straight-up loss in his career, uh, 32-21-1, 60% against the spread. Coming off a, an against-the-spread loss, he's even better, uh, 38-21-1, uh, 64%. That's according to our bet labs data. Uh, I, I think these teams, there's, there's a lot separating these teams, even though the Giants are, are at home. Uh, Green Bay is number 10 in weighted DVOA which just looks at recent games and weights them a little more heavily uh, the Giants are 29th so they're a bottom bottom four team. and if you look at the Packers six of their eight wins have been by a touchdown uh, or more and this Giants team just doesn't uh, profile as a team that I think uh, can stick with the pack uh, I think generally I thought the Packers you saw what you needed to see on defense from them to go into to to, to New Jersey here and shut down this Giants squad that um, you know they're lucky to have even, 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 14 points against the Bears last week. Dallas beat them 37-18 in in New Jersey. So I think when the Giants face a good offense, uh, Daniel Jones just turns the ball over too much. Uh, and they're facing a solid defense, solid get that can get pressure. I just think too many turnovers, not enough on offense here. Uh, for the Giants to, to stay close on this one and then you throw in the fact that the Packers know they need this one uh, they need to get right Aaron Rodgers usually good at leading his team and getting the win and getting the cover in these spots I just think that the Packers are, are capable of completely uh, blowing the Giants out uh, of the water again six of their eight wins came by uh, at least seven points
0: Yeah, I can't disagree here. I mean, the the Giants secondary is not great. They're not elite at getting pressure. And, you know, so Rodgers is gonna do his thing. Daniel Jones not taking care of the ball. And when you're playing a team like the Packers, who, you know, don't have a great run defense, but they create a lot of havoc. They have a second Mm -hmm. an aggressive secondary and then they have two great edge rushers. It spells turnovers from Daniel Jones. So I can't disagree with you on the Rodgers bounce back. For my second pick, I am going with another Patriots fade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going with the Houston Texans plus three. If, I, if you follow me on the app, you would have saw I got a plus three and a half. We'll go with the plus three consensus line right now. Look, one thing I've always preached here: we faded the Patriots against the Ravens, and we faded the Patriots last week against Prescott. What is the common theme there? Quarterbacks who can move around. Well, guess what? Deshaun Watson can. And against man defense at the Patriots play, it's important. It can keep the sticks moving, move out of pressure that the Patriots will inevitably bring. Um, and, you know, if he gets past that first level of defense, you know, he can make some things happen. Situationally, it's also a good spot. I mean, look, Texans have extra prep, extra rest here. Patriots going on the road after squeaking that out against Dallas. Um, they do – it's the Patriots. They'll still – want to show up. They still want to be excellent. They still need to keep winning to stay ahead of the Ravens for home field. So it's not any of those things, but what this is, it's another fade of the Patriots offense, which still is not right. Uh, Like this offense, here's a stat I'll throw out to you. Out of any, uh, there's 29 quarterbacks in the NFL that have at least uh, 250 dropbacks on the year, 29. When under pressure, the quarterback with the lowest completion percentage is Tom Brady at 34.5. He knows that Goff is at 41.7. Minshew is at 40.4. Brady has an elbow issue. Apparently, he's getting older. These are all factors. But that also doesn't speak just to Brady. The offensive line isn't as good. So he's under pressure a little more than usual. And it's, you know, your completion percentage isn't just on the quarterback, especially when you're under pressure. That's chemistry with your receivers, knowing where they're going to be, knowing your routes, knowing when to break off. The chemistry and timing aren't there, and I, I say this every week on the podcast. Well, yeah, because they've different. They've had different groups of receivers every week. They've all been hurt. They've had, you know, Antonio Brown come and go, Josh Gordon come and go. They don't have great tight ends. Their tight ends have been different every week. Their entire season, they've beat like one or two good teams. They've had a very easy schedule, so they've, they've been able to get by with this offense. But this offense is nowhere close to the offenses that we're used to seeing with New England. The defense is still great, but I do think Houston will have some success running the ball, not only with Watson, uh, but just in their general running game. Uh, And that's been a weakness, and I think will continue to be a weakness for the Patriots. They have excellent corners. The Texans have excellent receivers. I don't think that Hopkins is going to get shut out uh, like Cooper did last week, but I think the Texans win a close game. If not, maybe lose by a field goal. But three and a half, three, uh, in what I think is a coin flip game and just another fate of this Patriots offense.
1: Yeah, and getting Will Fuller back, I think, really helps hey. because we saw Dallas have some success, even with Cooper getting shut out, uh, have some success down the field with Michael Gallup. And I think uh, a guy like Will Fuller can, can kind of replicate that. Texans haven't been, to be frank, that impressive um, as I thought they would be this year. Um, kind of been dealing with some injuries, but the only thing you worry about is just the coaching, really. Like yes. Bill O'Brien versus a winning team, 13 uh, 23 1, uh, 36% against the spread. Uh, you, you know, the Patriots have a way of, of kind of getting these things, but I, I do agree. I think the Patriots, this team against teams like Baltimore, Houston, with these mobile quarterbacks, it, it really is a toss up because, like you said, Brady,
0: Brady's not creating anything, uh, and his receivers aren't really helping him out. And Watson, as a, as a dog, is a, a quarterback that I like to back as an underdog. And it just, the way that the Patriots' defense operates, you know, they're obviously able to play a ton of cover zero with no safety retire, and they just bring a ton of pressure. So if you're just a statue back there, and then you have these great corners who are playing press man, they're going to stop you more times than not. But if you have legs and you can move around the pocket and buy some time and use your legs to move and pick up first downs and run the ball. It's just a whole different element, and it makes the, what the Patriots want to do. It neutralizes that in a lot of ways.
1: No argument there. I'm always worried about the coaching, but, yeah, I think this is a game that, that Houston uh, has, has a good shot at, at winning. For my second pick, don't use – again, now this is where it starts to come in. I don't usually like to do this, but uh, going with the Kansas City Chiefs here, got them at 9.5. I think the consensus is 10 now, so we'll go with that. Listen, the Oakland Raiders faded them last week. One of those teams that they had a, a winning record with a negative point differential that always should raise red flags, uh, that this team is, is not as good as we think it is. I think there's still a bit of that going on in the market. I, I'm, I think the Chiefs should be favored by more than this 10 points here. And if you look at the Raiders, you know, they've been able to stick with some teams that have had, have had some issues either offensively or, or major issues defensively. But for the most part, when they've played a, a, a good offensive team that can at least do something uh, on defense, and the Chiefs have been pretty good in pass defense. Uh, they've obviously struggled uh, in run defense. But uh, if you just look at the Raiders in games where uh, they're facing kind of a, a solid all-around team, decently coached, uh, decently quarterbacked, lost 28-10 uh, to the Chiefs in Oakland, lost 34-14, a 20-point loss in Minnesota, lost 42-24 at Green Bay, Lost, and then, and then lost 34-3 in New York to the Jets, uh, in Jersey, really. But, um, you know, this Oakland team, first of all, going on the road hasn't been kind to them in these kind of spots. Uh, the only one they really kept it close was Houston when they, when they lost by three points uh, to, to the Texans 27-24. But I'm just betting with the Chiefs, again, just a talent discrepancy. You have the Andy Reid with, uh, you know, more than seven days to prepare where he is 32-22 and one in his career of 59%. Uh, against the spread I don't think this is the week uh, Thanksgiving week where the Raiders can go on the road and stop a skid against a uh, a a powerful offense like this I just think the game uh, is highly likely to get away from them to the point where I don't even know if they'll be in position to to come close to a backdoor cover like I think this could just be a smash a smash spot for the Chiefs so back in the Chiefs here big favorites don't usually like to do it but uh, uh, I like the spot for Casey
0: Yeah, the only thing you worry about here is – I mean, last week we talked about the Jets' run defense being really good, and it showed. The Chiefs' run defense is obviously not. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but we've we've talked about this ad nauseum that the Raiders get no pass rush and they can't cover. So, against Patrick Mahomes, it's not ideal. Uh, So, they're not – I don't see them getting many stops at all. So, the Chiefs just need to figure out a way, which they were able to do in the first meeting – to just get a couple stops. If Josh Jacobs is just running at will and the Raiders are moving the ball and it sets up their short passing, they might then be in position to either cover or get a backdoor in this game. But I can't argue with it because the the safer bet here is for the Chiefs to just move the ball at will against the Raiders defense that is really, really poor. Um, I mean, if you try if you're trying to defend in today's NFL. And you can't generate a pass rush and you cannot cover. That is just a recipe for disaster. All right, for my next and my final pick, I'm going with a spot that I have clamored for before and I will do so many other times. It is a classic. And for those of you that were following me on Twitter all weekend when, we were, when I was rooting for the Bengals outright, and the Bengals covered. The Bengals came through. And guess what? Tomlin as a road favorite against bad teams. It is the worst bet you can make. Great fade. I think he's 8-19 against the spread. Even worse if you look at when he's favored by six or more points. But on the flip side, he's one of the best motivators. And, you know, I call him the best rah-rah coach. So the guy that you have, you know, your, your high school coach. You know, the opposite of, of Bill Belichick, right? The guy that just comes in and gets you wanting to run through a wall. So when is that great? Well, when you're an underdog when it's, he can take on the us-against-the-world mentality. Over the last 15 years, he is, I think, the second or third most profitable coach as a home underdog. He's 9-3-2 and two against the spread, and he's also won a bunch uh, outright. So, yeah, know, this, this spread, he is a home underdog here, but it's right around a pick. But this is more about the spot. And, look, I've been on the Browns for the last three weeks in a row, and they've covered three weeks in a row for me. It's a miracle the Cleveland Browns three weeks in a row have covered for me. Never thought I would say this. So we were on the Browns against the Bills. We were at minus two and a half. We were on the minus two and a half against Pitt, and we were on them last week every which way against the Dolphins. But now I'm jumping off. Um, and if this is the spot based on what happened at the end of that game, Tomlin, not Kitchens, is going to be the one to use that to fire up the locker. And they're going to come out. The crowd is going to be crazy. They're probably, you're playing a very undisciplined team, too, by the way, in the Browns. You're going to get a couple key penalties but the Steelers are going to come out with their hair on fire. That defensive line should dominate the Browns' offensive line. I got Duck. It's Duck time. I've Duck going and not Mason Rudolph. Uh, I don't care. I had them rated about equally, but I wanted anybody in except Mason Rudolph. Duck Hodges, at least, is out there and, and will, will throw the ball down the field and looks at least confident. So I'm happy that Hodges is in there. Some have said, you know, Mason Rudolph is better. I don't care. I wanted Hodges in. It's Duck time. So I think that this is... A Baker-Mayfield turnover game, penalties on the Browns, and the Steelers just come out in a classic Tomlin spot where he will have them fired up. That's what I'm trusting in. And now that this line is moving, getting to, you know, Schuster might be out, which hurts, obviously. But don't forget that Garrett being out is also big in this game. It wasn't against the Dolphins. It is here. So with this line hitting two at some places, it's also a great tease spot in a game that should be low scoring. So if you can tease the Steelers up above seven. So I'm riding with Tomlin here. I think one
1: thing you said, you know, undisciplined team coming off, what is it, three straight wins now, Thanksgiving week. It, seemed, it just seems like, oh, okay, Odell Beckham finally got his touchdown. You know, everyone's kind of happy. And it, it just seems like that letdown spot. And then you combine that going into Pittsburgh, an angry team. You know, Miles Garrett hit their former starting quarterback in the head with a helmet. The situational spot definitely favors uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: If, I'm, if I have to choose a locker room to go into – To get If I wanted to just pump myself up for the game and I got Kitchens over here, Tomlin over here, I'm going into Tomlin's room and I'll probably come out of it wearing a helmet, bashing it against the wall as I'm running out to the field. Helmet bashing jokes. I I
1: like it. I see what you did there. I like it. Uh, For for my final pick, I think you're going to disagree with this one. Started we thinking I was going to be on the other side, but um, the more I look at it, the more I feel confident in uh, the New York Jets' three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. In Cincinnati, the reason I like the Jets is, you know, every year you have a couple of teams that they just start to figure things out and granted it come it can come against bad teams, but I think there are some marked improvements in the Jets beyond them just beating bad teams. And um, of course they've scored 34 and three straight against the giants against the Redskins and then against the Raiders. Uh, but first of all, the Bengals are just as bad, if not worse uh, than any of those teams. Uh, on defense. Second of all, I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize the Jets are number five now in, in defensive DVOA. So this is not just a, a, like a battle between two bad teams where you say, okay, you know, either offense, you know, whoever, you know, if the Bengals are at home, you know, maybe they'll, they'll get catch a break. Uh, I think the Jets are the clearly better team in this spot. Uh, Sam Darnold playing a lot better, a lot more confident. Uh, don't think this is the week. You know, Going back to Dalton kind of signals that the Bengals don't really know. Like They don't really have a plan. They don't really know what they're doing. I, I do agree that Dalton is worth probably a couple points to the spread. But when you talk about, okay, who do I think is going to win this game? The Jets. Who do I think can dominate this game? The Jets. Like I, I think the Jets uh, can flat out just dominate the Bengals because, again, the defense, top five, DVOA overall. Not just against the run. Overall DVOA, top five. Uh, And then you you look at what a couple of changes they've made. Uh, Blashawn Austin, uh, cornerback, he has a PFF grade of 87.5. Now, he doesn't have enough snaps yet to qualify, but if he did, that would be a a top three mark uh, in the entire league. Uh, He's really solidified uh, that that corner spot in in place of Darrell Roberts. Uh, You also have Brian Poole uh, in the slot playing really well, which is important when you play the Bengals because, of course, Alex Erickson and um, and Tyler Boyd tend to be their best means of moving the football down the field. The Bengals aren't going to be able to run because the Jets have the top run defense or top two run defense. You don't expect them to be able to throw as much because the Jets have solidified their cornerback spots and two of the most important cornerback spots when you're facing the Bengals. The Jets still have really good safety play with Adams and May, you know, top 10 safety play. You just kind of look at it like, okay, where where's the advantage now going to come for the Bengals if the Jets' offense has kind of figured some things out and, and and are playing well and are kind of taking care of business against these bad defenses. So – uh, I like the Jets, uh, actually we got them at three with a little bit of juice, uh, but we'll go at three, three and a half, which is the consensus line here. But um, again, this is just a spot where uh, I, I think some some people, a lot of people probably will be on the, the Bengals, um, but I, I think that this is not the week, in my opinion, where the Bengals are able to stop this skid, uh, Andy Dalton or not.
0: Well, you already know what I'm going to say. Uh, this <laughs> I perfect, know. <laughs> this is the perfect time to sell. The Jets, I mean, let's be honest. In November, there's love building for the Jets now. But in November, they played the Dolphins, who they lost to by eight. They played the Giants. They played the Redskins. And then they played the Raiders. So they did beat the Cowboys. So that And that, that result is one thing that does give me a little pause because it looks more like, all right, that's what this team is starting to look like. The run defense is legit. But now you're talking, I grabbed plus four. You know, yeah. If it's a three, I, I probably wouldn't have grabbed it. I grabbed plus four once I heard Dalton was playing. If you look at the Jets earlier in the year, a lot of their numbers look worse than they are because they had Luke Falk at quarterback. And Luke Falk, what we've found out, is one of the worst quarterbacks to start in NFL history. But so was Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley is very close to Luke Falk. So uh, Andy Dalton is still a a competent NFL quarterback, and you're going to have to pass against the Jets. So if this was Ryan Finley playing, um, there's no shot. I would play Cincinnati. Um, but there's another thing here that, and just a sneaking suspicion, but another thing here is why, is, why are the Bengals going to withdraw? Them? They're desperate that's to win. They, yeah. that's, that's what, they, they think they can beat the Jets here. Yes, but listen. They, but they're wrong. They've been wrong all year about everything. I don't even know if I'm dead <laughs> wrong on this because I haven't gotten uh, up yet. I've been doing the college pod before this. I, I'm thinking this is a directive from Mr. A.J. Green, who you may see out on the field on Sunday. Thoughts? You're the fantasy guy that keeps up with all the. I think I think
1: he's I think he's not coming back. I think he's not going to play this year. I didn't think he was going to play all year. I could be wrong.
0: Dalton Um, playing would be like Green him Green and Taylor in a room. Taylor trying to get him to play, and he says, "Look, I'm not playing with Ryan Finley. I'll play if Dalton starts." So don't be shocked. (laughs) You see AJ Green out on that field uh, on Sunday, which would only be a bump. But I mean, I can't hate you for playing the matchup. But I took the uh, just yeah. I it. mean, no, like I like dude, like to be
1: honest with you, like I and it's I, I saw you take the plus four, and I was like, you know, the Bengals probably the right play. But it's I I think the Jets right now are a good football team. Like I don't know, I don't know, I just don't know if this is the week that like like the Bengals to me just seem desperate. Like I don't AJ Green is quote unquote day to day. He's been day to day forever um the Bengals are notoriously kind of like like they always present more of an optimistic look than it seems with these in with their injuries that's just what they've been known to do but
0: man I, it's but just they were, tough for me they were we for the- last week against the Steelers and didn't play Dalton so why this week there because has another re- and I think it might have to do with green it's just it's just a theory
1: I think that they now they have a two-game lead for the first pick and now they're in like panic mode on some like – like we wanted we – wanted, like the first pick is nice and we w- we'd love to do that, but we also didn't mean to go 0-16. And now we see – you know, on paper it's like, okay, the Jets, they look, they're look they winnable – like, you know, they're obviously on paper a winnable matchup for the Bengals. And I think they're desperate to get a win and, and, and that they have a couple winnable games up ahead where they have the Steelers on deck too, again, right, I think. They have another win. I know they have the Dolphins coming up in a couple of weeks, but I think they have another winnable game before that coming up. And I just think they, they they feel like they need to get a win. I just don't see it with this improved like the Jets have improved in all the areas that you would kind of knock them for. Like, man, if the Bengals win, I mean, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the lump, but I, I don't see it. I don't see it on this week. Anyway. Uh, yeah, let's, let's just move on. Let, let me mention one thing because uh, we did talk about that Patriots team and the, their offense and how it's struggling. And uh, as we've done the past three weeks, we are running a new fade Darren Ravel promotion with our friends at PointsBet. Sportsbook this week our colleague Darren Ravel taking Tom Brady plus Deshaun Watson passing prop he's taking under 499 and a half combined passing yards and points bet is boosting the odds on the over uh, from minus 120 to plus 120 which is certainly a big advantage so if you're interested in fading our guy Darren Ravel just follow the link in this episode description for more details all right now let's get into our favorite over-under of the week. We've been we've been spot on with these, I think, more than anything uh, on this podcast uh, for, for the duration of the season. So uh, I'll kick it to you. Who do you got this week?
0: Well, you stole my under, which you'll get to next. Um, <laughs> and this was the toughest podcast we've had to record as far as picks because, you know, you so have three early. games on Thanksgiving – we're recording this earlier than usual, so and there's a limited amount of games on Sunday. So as of right now, I don't love any totals on Sunday, but one I think I might play. Look, the Bucks over is worth a look again, even against the Jags. I don't know if I'll play it, but the Bucks over is my favorite thing in the world. They've hit nine overs in a row. Uh, the Bucs don't have a pass defense, and they can move the ball, and they'll turn it over for you. It's just a recipe for overs, but I decided to dig into that some more and what's going on with the Jags. Uh, So I ended up rolling with the Panthers, Redskins under. The Panthers, you know, they've been reeling here of late. Um, They played some good teams, though, when they came back down to earth. But I think that, you know, I still think Kyle Allen is broken, uh, even though he had a good game last week against the Saints. Um, But I just don't think the Skins will have much success here. They won last week. The Panthers' run day is still kind of shaky. I'm not afraid of the Redskins' rush offense. And one of the reasons why the Panthers' run D is shaky is because they switched from a 4-3 uh, to a 3-4 in the offseason, and that's in order to generate more of a pass rush, which they've been able to do. But their linebackers have also been out of position and have weakened their run defense. They've also had some injuries up front. Uh, but I'm not afraid of the Redskins running wild on the Panthers. Um, and I also think that they can get pressure on Haskins And if you pressure Haskins, he gets completely off of his game. And he still just looks shaky and inaccurate, missing some easy throws. Um, So I think they're going to have a really tough time scoring. I think the Skins can put up some resistance on defense. They have some talent up front. Uh, So give me the under 40 and a half there.
1: It was a, a pretty big outlier that one game. Of course, against the New York Jets, which is, you know, the Jets just seem to be kind of getting it right on offense lately. But besides that, I mean, you look back. All these games Callahan has coached uh, as the interim coach for John Gruden, 17-16 against Miami, 9 nothing loss to the Niners, 19-9 loss to the Minnesota Vikings, 24-9. Man, they love scoring nine points or having nine <laughs> points. Uh, 24-9 loss to the Buffalo Bills. Then that 34-17 Jets game where they got behind 34-3. And then 19-16 against the Lions. So, I mean, I've, I've also been kind of hammering these Redskins unders since Callahan took over. They're one of the most run-heavy teams. That Jets game was an outlier. Or maybe not an outlier for the Jets. We'll see if they can take care of business against Cincinnati. But, uh, yeah, I think you, you kind of got to bet on the Redskins' unders here. I think the only thing that, that maybe could, could destroy this is Christian McCaffrey just having a day and, you know, you know scoring like three touchdowns on his own and, or something like that, and the Panthers get another turnover or two. But uh, generally speaking, I think Redskins' unders are the play and are going to be the play. Uh, for the rest of the season, looks like 57% of the bets, 96% of the money is on the under here at 40. So uh, by the time you guys listen to this, uh, if you if you if you agree with the pick, you probably want to jump on it because I could see this dipping under 40 Uh, sooner than later. uh, similar, in a similar vein, the total I'm going with under 40 in, in Cleveland, Pittsburgh. And uh, you know, kind of similar reasons. I mean, you got duck Hodges on one side. uh, You got a a strong Steelers probably still underrated just because uh, a lot of talk about their offense, but the bottom line is their defense has been one of the best uh, in the league. You mentioned it, they get a ton of pressure. So uh, like the Steelers defense in this spot to kind of uh, limit this Browns offense on the other side, I mean, you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of Pittsburgh. Let's be honest. I mean, you're going to probably just get a ton of running the ball. Tomlin usually good in these spots. And I think, you know, if Tomlin, you know, Tomlin has success in this spot and the Steelers have success, it's going to be because of their defense. I don't think they're going to go out and score 28 points with Duck Hodges and a banged up offense, right? So at the end of the day, the last game was a 21-7 Browns win. You know, if this one's close, I think it's, it's another one kind of like the Cincinnati game, 16-10, something like that. Might have, uh, might have some wind playing in here we, we like the wind that usually leads to a about a 56 percent hit rate just blind betting uh, on unders in, in windy games uh, you have the divisional under angle here so i mean lots of like give me the yeah, under yeah
0: tomlin tomlin spots his rah rah spots that i when i played football i played in high school like most people that did i played on both sides when you were like really pumped up for a game it showed much more on the defensive side. Like offense, you're worried about execution. It's not like you're flying around when you're really pumped up. Whenever you, Tomlin has these you know, spots where his team is fired up, it's not like you have the offensive linemen running out there and, and, and it's the defense comes out swarming, and that's when the crowd is up. So it, it, all of these things on these Tomlin spots, are, it usually translates to the defensive side.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, so that uh, that does it for our favorite total. Just to recap, uh, as far as the Sunday six pack, uh, Stuck had the Texans plus three against the Pats, Steelers plus two uh, against the Cleveland Browns, and the Eagles minus nine and a half against the Dolphins. Uh, and then Stuck's total is under 40 in Washington, Carolina. I had Packers minus six and a half against the Giants, Jets minus three and a half against the Bengals, Chiefs minus nine and a half uh, against the Raiders, and I'm going under 40 in steelers browns uh okay now let's uh get to our weekly teaser segment
0: oh yeah six point teasers
1: all right this is a standard 6.2 team teaser if you're not familiar it just means you get six extra points for each team you bet on uh, to cover with against the spread and uh first light we reduce payout stuck
0: who do you have this week all right, yeah, so uh, there's a lot of great teaser options this week, but a lot of them aren't on Sunday. Uh, I mentioned Dallas, potentially the Lions, also the uh, Vikings on Monday night, teasing them from three up to nine. The Seahawks don't win games by more than one possession. They've only won one all year, and they have nine wins. <laughs> all right, so, but my, if we're sticking with Sundays here, Titans are a great teaser piece. You guys, we have, people have to start giving more credit to how Ryan Tannehill was playing. Um, uh, he's playing really well since taking over at quarterback, but I really like their defense still. The Colts also only play one possession games. They have only played one game that hasn't been decided by one possession all season. So this one should be close, divisional battle. Really important game, both teams at six and five. Give me just that classic tease from two and a half. Up to eight and a half. Another divisional matchup, uh, which should be low scoring uh, between the Chargers and Broncos, teaching the Broncos from a field goal up to plus nine in a total that's 38 and a half. Again, who always plays one possession games? Phillip rivers. So uh, sticking with that trend here. So, so uh, Broncos teasing from three to nine and uh, Titans from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. For my tease,
1: I'm going with uh, the Green Bay Packers mentioned it. Uh, also like them as a tease while they're at six and a half. I think, uh, I think there's a really good spot, uh, you know, for them to win the game. I think they cover too, but um, if you like teasing, you can tease them down to a half point. Uh, I think they should be able to get that win. Uh, and then, yeah, going with the Titans here, plus eight and a half. Again, don't, don't ever take my word for, for Titans picks because I never, I'm, never seem to be on the right side here. But I, I'm with you, Stuck. I think uh, it, this just screams one possession game. Uh, it was a one possession game the first time they met. It was a two-point game. I don't see them getting blown out here by, by the Indianapolis Colts. So, yeah, I'm going Titans, teasing them uh, from two and a half to eight and a half, and then Packers from six and a half down to a half point. Uh, now it's time for our underdog, money line Parlay.
0: Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Yeah, we're rolling with uh, the Texans. That coin flip game to me. Uh, good spot. Trusting Watson here and fading the Pats offense, which is broken until further notice.
1: And I am going with, there you have it, the Arizona Cardinals. Bonds betting on Kyler Murray. Oh, there, they are. there they are. And listen, man. I came into the season high on the Rams and Jared Goff, and it just, it just hasn't been there. They haven't been able to beat good teams, and I think they, this is a team that's going to struggle against. The Cardinals, to me, are an average team, and if you look back at, at their recent results, okay, so they lose to the 49ers, 36-26, but that was kind of a fluky score even, uh, for, with the 49ers scoring on the last play. It was 30-27 to the Bucs. they lose 28-25 to the Niners, and they get blown up by the Saints. They beat the Giants. Uh, they beat the Falcons. So this is a team that, could definitely hang in there with the Rams long enough, I think. Uh, especially this, this version of the Rams. Uh, especially with the Cardinals, um, more time to prepare coming off the bye. Rams on a, a short week. Uh, I think this is a good spot for the Cardinals to kind of sneak one in there. You know, their defense has been a little better with Patrick Peterson. They've been a little better against the run. Um, and, you know, listen, the Rams had trouble against a mobile quarterback in, in Lamar Jackson. Now you have to deal with Kyler Murray and, and Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, with extra time to prep so you know the, the, the line has kind of moved in Arizona's favor. It was I think Rams four uh, minus four to, to start or four and a half and now it's down to three so it uh, looks like some some of the big money is coming in on the Cardinals here and I, I think they have enough to, to sneak in uh, this divisional win and what could be a lower scoring game uh, than some people think so uh, going with the Cardinals plus 140 uh, with your Texans plus 165 that would be a $536 payout uh, so if you bet $100, you would win 636 if you parlayed these two dogs and they hit. To calculate payouts for parlays or any other bet, go to actionnetwork.com slash betting calculators. Uh, and now let's quickly cover the best of the rest, which is all the games we didn't get to in any other segment. So we only have two games here and one of them should be a really good one. Almost don't even want to bet on this game just to kind of enjoy it. 10-1 San Francisco at 9-2 Baltimore. Ravens six-point favorites. The total is 46, 57% of the bets. 81% of the money on the Ravens, which is interesting because I, I feel like the Sharps were on the the Rams uh, last week, and now it seems like uh, everyone's on the Ravens here. 78% of the bets, 96% of the money on the over 46. Stuck, thoughts on this game?
0: The 49ers should present... The biggest challenge to the Ravens all year, especially with how they play defense on the back end. It's gonna come down to which defense. And the same thing with the with the Ravens. I don't think that the 49ers are gonna have much success passing the ball at all. I mean, the Ravens really do now have three elite corners. Jimmy Smith's up the game speed, Marcus Peters, elite man corners have gone over countless times now that he's healthy, and then obviously Marlon Humphrey. So it's gonna come down to which team can have more success running the ball. And that also comes down, you know, includes Lamar Jackson. What's happening to these teams though? The Ravens run such a unique offense and Lamar Jackson is so difficult to defend and he's playing so well that the Ravens are just jumping on teams early. And then what that does is they can play aggressively on defense. They have the corners to man you up, they're bringing a ton of pressure and then it takes other teams out of their running game and makes them one dimensional. I don't think that the Ravens, you know, maybe they will. I don't think that they'll be able to go up, you know, 14-17 nothing against the 49ers. So then I think this game becomes more of a grind and who can grind out more possessions. I mean, the Ravens right now are scoring at a high, on more higher frequency of possessions than any team in NFL history well, since the merger. Um, so they are scoring on almost every possession, especially of late, but I think it's like 58% on the year. It's crazy. It's not going to be as easy for them as it has been, at least I don't think so. Both teams are coming across the country from the West Coast. The 49ers did have an extra day of prep. They played on Sunday night. The Ravens played on Monday night. But the shock of seeing Lamar for the first time, um, all of these teams that just seems to be with how well the Ravens offense is playing. It is such an advantage for the Ravens and they're jumping out to a lead. And then it enables them to do everything that they want to do. So if the 49ers can hang in there early in which should be a raucous environment at the bank, especially after what the Ravens did last week, then I think they can hang around here um, and they can have some success running right at the Ravens, which they the heart and the underbelly of that defense is the weakness so I think it'll be a fascinating matchup. Uh, I think the Ravens end up pulling it out. Wouldn't be shocked if the 49ers do. A lot of it will come down at the start of the game. Uh, but line looks about right to me.
1: Yeah, I think, I think this will be a troubling spot for Sam Fran. Uh, I think, uh, you know, loved them last week. Again, I just think if you look at them, who they've struggled with is, like, the, the Cardinals, Kyle Murray, mobile quarterback. They lost to the Seattle Seahawks, mobile quarterback, Russell Wilson. And they still have some weaknesses on run defense, and they're the more likely team to turn it over. Uh, they're going on the road. They're going across the country. Ravens have just been a different team with, with Peters and and, and and Jimmy Smith uh, healthy. So if I had to pick a side, probably would go Baltimore. Don't love it just because I think this is a really good 49er team, but – I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them pick up their second loss and, and get blown out uh, here uh, in Baltimore. And the, the second game we have is uh, remaining on the best of the rest. 4-7 and seven, Tampa Bay going to 4-7 and seven, Jacksonville. Jacksonville favored by a point. 48.5 is the total. 82% of the bets. 92% of the money on the bucks. 53% of the bets. 82% of the money on the under. Uh, anything on this one stuff?
0: I think Jameis Winston. By the way, I read he's like one and eleven straight up or something in the last twelve games. Is when the spreads between like two and two when it's a toss up. I generally like backing Jameis as a dog. I generally like looking at overs with the Bucks this year. They've hit nine straight. I have to dig into what's going on with the Jags. So we'll have later in the week all of our game previews on every game on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app. So they've been beat by twenty plus in the last three games in all divisional games very worrying but the Bucks aren't going to run the ball which is something to note and Foles might be getting back into he's been throwing it a ton he's having some success and not really fine in the end zone but against the Bucks secondary he's starting to get up the game speed I imagine he can have some success but I, and, and I think Jameis will have success with his receivers as he usually does I just want to dig into what's going on with the Jags if it's a, a deeper problem than what I'm I'm seeing. I think, you know,
1: at first glance, I, I was looking at this and like, okay, you got to take the Jags here. There's no way you could say the Bucs are two points better on a neutral field. Uh, but then, you know, thought about it, not really a road game for the Bucs. I mean, it's in Florida, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville. I, I'm worried that the Jags are quitting, honestly. I, yeah. Like, we saw it last year, came out big with, with the Derrick Henry run. But in general, they just they, – they stopped winning games down the stretch. Um, they stopped winning games. They stopped covering. And, uh, you know, there's it's inexplicable that they – have like they, they shouldn't have lost by these wide of margins to any of these teams that you just mentioned. Tampa Bay's probably the play here, especially where you're sti- while you're still getting a point. I think it might go to a pick because there is a lot of money coming in on Tampa Bay, again, 92%. So I, that's all I can think of there. Um, but let's get into our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. One pick. One chance to advance.
0: Survivor.
1: Still still surviving here. Had the Browns last week. They took care of Biz against the Miami Dolphins. It's tough week 13. I think I'm going Kansas City, though. I haven't used them yet. Uh, not many other spots that I, I really want to use them down the stretch. Uh, this Raider team, again, mentioned it, just not a good enough defense, I think, to hang with teams uh, that can score the football. So uh, going with KC, uh, have used Seattle, Houston, Dallas, Chargers, Eagles, Patriots, Bills vikings niners ravens raiders and browns to this point so let's get kc out of the way stuck if you couldn't go with kc who do you go with uh in in this week 13 slate
0: uh if you haven't used the eagles use them fade the dolphins uh if not i think the panthers are okay too
1: yeah worries me a little just kyle allen uh could kind of stoop to uh haskins levels but yeah you know 10 point favorite you got to kind of go with the uh, percentages there so i agree
0: Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful
1: for you. And that does it for another episode of the Action Network podcast. Follow Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2 and me at Chris Rabon. You can also follow us on the Action Network app at those same handles, as well as get live odds, in-game win probabilities, and track every bet that you make. Happy holidays. Enjoy. Eat good. Be responsible. Let's get this money.
0: Go Pack Go. Go Ravens.